The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Well, I hope everybody was partying like it was, what, 1991, 1990, whatever. The Cincinnati Bengals have won a playoff game, and they did so in front of their home crowd. They did so in dramatic fashion. They beat the Raiders at home in the wild card round, advanced to the divisional round to take on the Tennessee Titans in Nashville. We've got a big show lined up for such a big week and for so many big reasons. I'm Anthony Cazenza, and I am extremely jealous of my co-host this week because he was there in person, and we're going to hear about it. John, man, are are you still just glowing about this thing and and the result of everything that transpired this weekend? Look, I feel like a lot of players say that you get into the NFL to play in the big moments, to play in the playoffs and the Super Bowls. You get in the podcast industry in the NFL to talk about playoff wins. You know, this is why we're here, right? We've been doing this. You've been doing this for five, six years. I've been doing this for three, and we've never had a show predicated around this exact topic. But 66,000 people can say that they were there. But just like the Freezer Bowl, I feel like a lot more people are going to say that they were there or at least in the city of Cincinnati. And you know what, Anthony, if you want to say that you were there, I'm not going to hold it against you. I'm not going to call you out on that. So yeah, just, just, it's nice to have that experience, you know, like my, my dad and his brothers and my grandpa were at the, were at the freezer bowl for that moment. And I was, I was there in PBS for that. So that was, that was pretty freaking cool. That's awesome. Well, we're going to hear, I want to hear all about it. I was there with you in spirit. I was not there, unfortunately, yes. in physical presence. I wish, I wish I was there. Just couldn't make it happen. But hey, uh, you know, if they get to SoFi or, you know, host, if I don't think they're able to host an AFC championship game at this point. But, um, you know, if they get to SoFi, I will uh, I'll, I'll do what I can to be there. We are set to be joined potentially in a few minutes by Icky Woods, last week's ruler of the jungle. Good luck, charm. Um, we're hoping to be joined by him either by video chat or phone. Um, we've been talking with him. So hopefully we get him on in just a little bit here. And we're very excited to talk to him about a number of different things. But before we do, John, we wanted to kind of just, vent's not the right word, but talk about our experience for a couple minutes in terms of what we witnessed. I mean, we usually break down the game and what happened and this and that. This is this is a little bit of a different beast here because 
we're talking about something that we have waited for so long that has been held over the Bengals' heads, the Bengals' fans' heads for so long in terms of playoff futility and whatnot. I have to say, unfortunately, um, especially towards the end, I was enjoying the game for about three quarters and whatnot, and then it got to crunch time. Things were getting a little too close for my liking. The Bengals were not shutting the door. The Raiders were hanging around. And I started to get, I, I, I hate to admit it, I started to get those old feelings, those here we go agains, those, oh man, they're now, now they're going to just do it in just a, you're gonna, they're going to lose in a more dramatic fashion, et cetera. I kept trying to tell myself different team, different coach, different quarterback, all that stuff. Those old thoughts kind of crept in, but as that final drive it's unfolded and as Jermaine Pratt corralled that interception, it was just, it was, it was joy but it was relief it was just like oh my gosh finally because it was it's kind of like if not now when you know I mean I know this team is a budding team and potentially a dynasty in the making but I just felt like that was a good matchup for them it was favorable for them it was a team they had beaten that that year they were riding a hot streak and seemingly hitting their stride in a big way it just felt like if not then when and so I, I was obviously relieved. I watched it with my brother, my parents, my nephew, my kids. And, um, it was pretty cool afterwards. We were just like hugging and just laughing and, oh my gosh, I can't, you know, finally, 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 I had an insane amount of texts an insane amount of messages just from people, you know, kind of coming out of the woodwork. They just knew how much it meant to me and it meant to how much it meant to my brother and, and all of that. So it was just really, really cool. We just kind of had a little, our own little intimate group that was all rooting for the Bengals. And, uh, you know, we were just so happy. And after all of the things that we have witnessed as fans and covering this team for Cincy Jungle and on this show, it was just such a relief. And I was so happy for so many of those players. And not only those players, but people like Icky Woods, former players who were there in attendance who said, wow, this is goosebump type of stuff. Icky Woods, Tim McGee, and others said that, wow, you know, that was quite the atmosphere and quite a moment for this team. How are your kids watching? Are, are, are you raising them as Bengals fans or are you making, let them make their own decision? I mean, I'm forcing some stuff on my, on my, on my kids in terms of like little jerseys and stuff like that. But uh, he kind of just likes watching football a little bit. The oldest one does at least. The youngest one does. He doesn't, you know, he's way too young. <laughs> but um, the the oldest kind of, he's kind of into it a little bit, but he's also, you know, he's a not even five yet. He's just kind of squirrely. So he likes to run around and, you know, be a little kid too. But, you know, he'll hang out and watch a little football and he knows about the Bengals and he knows about some of the players and whatnot. But uh, it's just, you know, kind of kind of a family thing, hanging out with family and watching the Bengals and, and watching a big win. Well, as long as as long as they're with you, man, I feel like they're not going to be like the, the the babies that were born in the late '80s and maybe '90, <laughs> where they have to wait 31 years to see another one. If if they if they care so much about it, eventually, maybe they'll get to that point. Maybe not, but it really did feel like just throughout the entire day, it was just a different vibe compared to past playoffs. And I, I the last one I went to was against the Jets, and I don't really remember much of that just because it was such an ugly game. My only memory of the first Steelers playoff game was at the very at walking out of the stadium there was a fight between a Bengals fan and the Steelers fan outside of the oh, stadium man. I mean yeah like, after the Palmer injury basically everyone blacked yeah. out and like no one remembers what Kidna did in that game <laughs> yeah but honestly I think the reason why I never felt like the other shoe was going to drop I think I was just more drunk than I thought I was and I'd just <laughs> been drinking all day <laughs> I've drank a lot of seltzers and 
Um, a couple of people gave me some some beers as well. But no, it, it from the night before at Holy Grail with all the people who met up with uh, with the locked on meetup to uh, before the game on game day to during the game and then the the after the game celebration post game was it, it was just all perfect. And I just want to give a shout out to every single person that I met and talked with or saw again in that 36 hour span i, w- I want to list them all because they all they all made that experience so great for me so in chronological order shout out to all these people malik wright logan fulmer both of uh, twsn brian Bro- bossridge big senior bowl guy we might have him on in a couple weeks to give us some insight there you all know seth reese the pff graphic design king aaron bacott who's a bengals fan he listens to the show shout out to aaron he's got a great insight on the game as well our boy zim Evan McPhillips, Lindsey Patterson, who was definitely feeling herself uh, Friday night at Holy Grail, James Rapian, some call him James Rapine, Russ Heldman, absolute party animal of SI, all Bengals, the commissioner herself, Yaz, my guy SD from Dingle House in Westchester, Rebecca Toback, and her husband who converted her to Bengals fandom in the first place, and if that doesn't happen, I never write for, for Cincy Jungle in the first place, two guys who bought me Bud Lights at Holy Grail, and then on game day, the Bangalorean and his friend Jesse, Clay Winstead, Joe Goodberry, and his better half, Jessica, Lorenzo Sarice, and his better half, Suzanne, Darth Noob Sabit. I never learned his real name, but finally met him in person. Blake Jewell, also of all Bengals. And finally, the reason I got to go to the game in the first place, shout out Ron Spatola and his significant other, Misty, as well as his friend Mike and his significant other, Missy. I watched the game with them in section 232. And really, Anthony, like when they took the lead, I believe it was what it was a 10 point lead like middle of the fourth quarter before i think the raiders got like a field goal and the Bengals got the ball back i think when they took that lead I, I just felt like it was over i felt like it was enough for them to hold on just just the vibe just how the team was that day and how the moment never seemed too big and they got off to a nice start and i know that they didn't convert some touchdowns late in the game but it never really felt like the game was out of their hands and I never really felt like, oh, man, this is going to happen again. The, that entire last drive, I felt like something was going to happen with the defense. I didn't know it was going to come down to the very last yard. We're on the one-yard line. Jermaine Pratt makes that interception. But it, it was it, it really did feel different. And, and that's what led to this overjoyous sense of relief when after that, after that final snap, it was just an explosion in Paul Brown Stadium. And everyone is just just taking it all in in awe and in jubilation. And I remember walking out of the stadium and everyone's chanting who day down the steps. And I just ha- kind of had to gather myself because I just had memories of the previous times and those situations where it didn't end that way. And then just to see it all happen like that and to see just the reaction, I just had to just take a moment just to realize, you know, where, how, how we got to this point and where the team can go from here. And I think that was, that that's like the big thing because this is really the start of something potentially great. It's not just going to be this one playoff win and 31 more years of futility. No, they're building something right now and it's definitely far from over. Like if, if it doesn't happen the next week for the next playoff win, it's probably going to happen next year. And if it doesn't happen next year, it's probably going to happen two years from now. Like they are not done. And I think that's exactly what Joe Burrow wanted to relay to the media during this week when he said, yeah, uh, you know, I downplayed like, you know, it was, it was a nice win, but we got bigger goals, but like th- this is the new standard. And I feel like everyone, once that win happened, they kind of just accepted that. Like, okay, they can do this. They're all on the same page now because that win in itself, 
it probably meant more to the city and the fans in general more than just the team. Like, I mean, you, I mean, just think about it. Like, when you have a guy in Joe Burrow who's been in these situations before, he's done it at the biggest stages wherever he's been. He's not just thinking about winning one playoff game. He's not thinking about the importance of just advancing in the wild card. And I think the whole team kind of realizes that and they sense that cool, calm collectiveness, that ability to relate to everybody and, and, and how that can galvanize an entire group with every single demographic that you can think of in the locker room. So once they all kind of accepted that, it, it was no more giant monkey on the back. But the fans and everyone outside of the locker room doesn't know that. They don't, they don't feel that because they don't experience it firsthand. But then they see it unfold in front of them in the biggest stage of that stadium's history and the biggest win of that stadium's history. And now everybody starts to buy in and sense that, yeah, like this, this is for real. This, this isn't arrogance. This isn't talking out of your butt. Like, like these guys have bigger aspirations than just one historic 31 year drought ending playoff win. And now everyone's on the same page, honestly, like, this is more than just one playoff win. This is more than just going one and done. Now they're moving on to a good team in the Tennessee Titans, and now we're going to go from here. We're going to be joined by Icky Woods in in just a few minutes here, and that's going to be a, a cool chat just to get his perspective on things. I wanted you to kind of have the the floor there, John, because you were you were there and you experienced this thing firsthand. And you know, I just I, I saw the videos. The the one by um, by Wheels is that is that Nick. Uh, I, I, I told him, like, Man, yeah, dude, I'm like, you got to come on this show and we're going to play that video. We're going to promote everything. He's, he's killing the, the, the video game. There. An absolute uh, goat. And yeah. And I, and I don't mean video game, like that. He's killing the, the video montage game. You know I mean? He's just, he's doing awesome stuff and you just see all of these people. And one of the guys in that video was Nick Superling. I don't know if you knew that or not mm-hmm. yep. running around his family room. And I was like, you know, the first, I mean, of course, I was thinking about my family and my brother when I when if when they first won, and there was a small handful of people, no offense to the listeners, that I was really, really thinking about. I thought about you because you were there. I thought about some of our other fellow podcasters and whatnot that, that were there. And you know, I was I was just so happy for everybody. But I thought about those guys, Mickey and Nick and and Scott, that I, I you know I did that show with in, inside the jungle for so many years and just great guys. Those are some of the first guys that I thought about in terms of the the win there and seeing Nick doing victory laps around his around his house with his kids and uh so many other fans that we know that were just going off and so much emotion in the crowd it's just a really really cool thing and um you know I I I wasn't there physically but I was there in spirit and I just you know I'm just really really happy for for that team and like you said it doesn't feel like that's it. It doesn't feel like that's the ceiling for this team. Some people are saying that this week. I listened to Colin Coward. I know he's not everybody's favorite, but he does believe that the Bengals do have a chance to win this weekend. He's, he's kind of said that, but he also has backhanded complimented them with that by saying he thinks they've got basically the weakest roster of any team left in the postseason. So, I mean, there's, there's kind of a dichotomy of opinions here, but I think that the Bengals do have a chance to win this game. We'll be talking about that in a little bit, but like you said, Joe Burrow just is playing out of his mind, processing the field at an elite level to use a terrible cliche. He is just processing what, what defenses are showing him. He has not had a turnover, John, in the last five games he has played or six total weeks. He didn't play in the Cleveland game. 
unbelievable. Just unbelievable quarterback performance. I, I'd like to think he can sustain it, but we'll see. It's a very high level to to try and keep sustaining. But as long as he keeps doing that, this team's got a, a got a shot in every single game they play, no matter the venue, no matter the opponent. This is the cool thing about the Bengals in general, because we knew that the Bengals were going to learn from some of the things that they saw when they first played the Raiders back in week 11 and why they couldn't really pass the ball down the field very much. And just in general, like the passing game was limited in that regular season game. And we knew that they were going to make some adjustments on how to better attack that defense now that they saw it from the, from the first time. And that's exactly what they came out with. You look at 2012 when they played the Texans the second time in the playoffs. AJ Green doesn't see a single target in the entire first half of that game. And then when they tried to feature him, it was just a little bit too late. Jamar Chase gets four touches on the very first drive, and all of them end up in first downs. Three, four targets, excuse me, three catches for three first downs, and then six touches overall in the first half. All of them go for first downs, and Chase has a phenomenal game. And honestly, Joe Burrow, like, that's the thing. Joe Burrow played pretty damn well, specifically for just his first playoff game, and that's a rare thing to see that efficient and clean of a game for a quarterback playing in his first game in the po- in the postseason, but he could even play better. And like there wasn't a lot of explosive opportunities for this offense. T. Higgins barely got involved. I think he had a couple drops to go with only his one catch. And Jamar Chase was really their only production outside of some of the cover three beaters uh, underneath some of those coverages. So they came out with a good plan, and and Burrow played obviously very well. But you know that this offense is capable of doing much more. They're going to need to do much more for the rest of the postseason. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L. V-A-N-29.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Well, we've been yakking about our experiences, uh, respective differing experiences. John at the game, myself watching from home. And as teased at the beginning of the episode, we have a very special guest who was the VIP, the good luck charm, and everything in between. Mr. Icky Woods joining us, ruler of the jungle for the wild card game. Mr. Woods, how you doing? Wild week for you. Thanks for making some time for us. 
tall, doing wonderful, man. Hanging in there. Happy to my Bengals got finally got that monkey off their back. Well, happy to be happy to be talking with you. We want to hear about your experiences, ruler ruler of the jungle, and a couple of other things. But most importantly, we want to highlight the charity uh, in honor of your son, the Javante Woods Foundation. We've already started to get some super chats in the YouTube. What we're going to do is we're going to donate every single super chat. We're going to make a donation as a show, a hopefully a, a very large and, and impactful donation to the Javante Woods Foundation. So if other listeners okay. out there, if you want to make a, a sizable YouTube uh, super chat, if you want to make it for $31, $30 for either one of Icky Woods jerseys or the curse being broken 31 years, make it that. Let's make an impact for the Javante Woods Foundation. We'll find out more about that in a second. But I guess, Mr. Woods, what I want to ask you first and foremost Tell us about the your experience as ruler of the jungle. It's a brand new thing, very very special sure. that you were the guy for the for the postseason. Well, I'd like to kind of hear about how the Bengals front office approached you about that, and just your experience throughout the entire game and that that pregame experience rallying that fired up crowd. Oh, it was great, man! They uh, contacted me through uh, Paul Brown. Uh, which is one of the uh, owners of the Bengals called me and, you know, uh, said that they were doing a new thing uh, called the uh, ruler of the jungle. And they wanted me to be the ruler of the jungle for the uh, uh, AFC um, wild card game. And, you know, I was, I was like, oh, okay, great. So I went out there and said they just want me to get the fans hyped up, get everybody into it, get the crowd ready to go. And the jungle was rocking, man. And, you know, we came home with the victory, uh, a much-needed victory to get that uh, – finally get that monkey off our back for 31 years. So, Iggy, you gave us all a pretty good Iggy shuffle up there next to the throne. And I think CJ Uzama gave his best effort after his first quarter touchdown, and he combined it with the gritty. I don't know if that's sacrilegious to you, combining both of those pieces, <laughs> but – the gritty specifically is becoming this generation's icky shuffle bit here in Cincinnati. Do you think oh, oh, you could have pulled it off in your playing days? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, uh, he, he did a great, uh, great reminiscing. Uh, and I, you know, thanked him for honoring me, man, just to, you know, do do my dance and then throw the gritty in there. It was, uh, it was masterful, man. It got the crowd pumped up and, Got everybody rocking and rolling, man. I was real happy. Uh, these guys thought enough to think of me uh, and and do my dance to get uh, get everybody riled up and ready to go. Talking with Icky Woods, former Bengals running back and wild card ruler of the jungle, the team's good luck charm this week to break the curse. Happy to have him back on the show. Icky, the last time you were on this show, it actually wasn't in 21. It was in 2020. And we were talking about the direction of the team and and all kinds of different things. What did you, it's okay to be honest here. What, what were your expectations for this team going into this year? Obviously Joe Burrow coming off the knee injury, some questions about the roster, the offensive uh, line. Uh, yeah, I, I had them uh, seven and oh, no, I had them six and 11. Actually. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have big expectations at all, you know, and they, uh, they surprised me early on and, and won a few games that uh, that I thought they wouldn't win, and then they uh, then they lost a few games that I thought they would win. So, you know, they kept kept going, and then they uh, turned it on 
uh, after the bye week and, you know, started winning some games and got themselves in a, in a good predicament. And, and now they're, uh, in the uh, divisional round of the playoffs. So that's, um, it's, it's great to see. And hopefully we can go down there and, and stun all the critics and, and take down them Tennessee Titans. Well, we appreciate your honesty with with that uh, preseason prediction. So, like, what, what was your concerns going into the season? And where have the Bengals kind of surprised you the most with how they've kind of turned out now? Well, they, they, they surprised me the most on the uh, uh, defensive side of the ball mm. and the uh, offensive line. They didn't play great, but they, they played better than I thought they would. And, and Joe Burrows and that uh, Jamar Chase combination, man, just – just shine and not only Chase, but Higgins and then uh Tyler Boyd and then Uzama. So they they got a lot of weapons on that side of the ball, man. But uh the real surprise was defense was able to stop a few people and uh defense was able to win a few games for us late in the game. Like the Raiders game, they got the interception and won that game for us to break the curse. So defense showed up and I uh, was real surprised on the effectiveness of Hubbard and uh, Henderson. Uh, it was it was, uh, it was very much a surprise, man. Those guys are playing some football now. It was, very, it was, a, it was a very pleasant surprise, let me put it that way. <laughs> yeah, some of those outside free agent acquisitions have, have really paid off. Uh, talking with Icky Woods here, going to hear about the Javante Woods Foundation. If you are listening live or after the fact, Please, please, please submit a donation through one of our live chats, if you will, or directly to the charity. But we're gonna we're gonna make a donation as a show to the Javante Woods Foundation. We'll hear about that in in just a minute. Icky, you know, fans are superstitious, you know that. And I know yeah. especially Bengals fans. And so we've talked about this curse, the curse of Bo Jackson, the curse, the curse, the curse. 30, 31 years. I'm curious from the a former player and a player who was on the team at the time of of you know not only the heyday of of this team but also when this curse kind of spawned did you did you actually kind of believe in a quote unquote curse did you um as as a player i mean what what kind of goes through your mind when you hear that phrase from Bengals fans or all kinds of different media outlets covering the team well, you know, I, I don't think it I don't really think it was a curse because well, it may have been <laughs> because the guys had games that they that they should have won, like the Pittsburgh game. They should have won that Pittsburgh playoff game and then they, you know, do the bonehead, um yeah. hit hit the guy coming over the middle and then um then Pac Man Jones gets another fifteen yard penalty. And, you know, just the guys just couldn't get, get their heads together, man. But, you know, this team is a whole different team, a whole di- different atmosphere. You got a lot of young players on this team who have come from w- winning programs. So they know what it's, they know what it's like to win big games. So and I think that's, that's the biggest uh, turnaround for us is we got guys on this team now who, who's come from winning programs and who knows how to, you know, win, win big ball games. You know, Joe Burrows won a national championship, Chase, Jamar, Jack, uh, Jamar Chase and uh, Higgins. And so those guys know what it's like to win in big games. So, you know, they, they don't have that stigmatism that, that they've never won anything. So 
bringing that new culture in here. Jack, uh, Zach Taylor coming in and, you know, building the culture from the ground up. You know, I, I, I thought it would take him another year or two to get it done, but surprisingly in his third year, you know, he's got us in the divisional playoffs. Yeah, and at the end of the day, they're, they're the first Bengals team to win a playoff game since since the team that you were on. And just uh, comparing yeah. this team to those to those four Bengals teams that you were part of, do you see any major similarities as to as to why this team can go forward in the playoffs, and not just win one game? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think the, just that, that, that explosiveness that they have on offense, they can pretty much score with anybody. And then, you know, defense shows up at, at a time that it needs to. So we'll see if they can stop that uh, that Tennessee's running game. I think uh, in this game, if they can get out early, and because Tennessee's not a good come-from-behind team, so if we can get up early and force Tannehill to throw the ball a little bit, I think we get, we'll have a chance to uh, hopefully win this game. Talking with Icky Woods, this past weekend's ruler of the jungle, a fan favorite, former Bengals player, and uh, we're we're so happy to have him back on the team on the show, rather. And um, we'll be hearing about the Javante Woods Foundation in just a minute. Thanks for your time, Icky. One of the one of the things that you know, a, a lot of fans say Ken Anderson, best quarterback in Bengals history. There's not too much argument there. I think some of the favorites for some people is Boomer Esiason and really that leadership quality that he has being around right. this team, hearing about Joe Burrow, potentially speaking with him and, and, you know, the coaches, et cetera. Are you seeing the same kind of sim, a, a very similar type of leadership style or just that kind of get on my back type of MVP mentality from Joe Burrow yeah. that you saw in Boomer Esiason? Yeah, Joe Joe Burrow has that what you call it it factor. You know, he just he just has it. You know, it is it's nothing like uh, Boomer or Ken Anderson. I think he is, he's he's got more of of what they didn't have. So uh, so he's uh, he, he's a step above you know those guys. But they, they those guys are were great Bengal quarterback. But this guy here is going to be something special. All right, Mr. Woods, I had to save my most important question for last because I, if there's one thing I don't like, it's when people kind of run with narratives without really knowing the truth. And I wanted to give you a chance to potentially clear the air here. Do you even like cold cuts? What would be your top three deli meats? <laughs> yeah, honey baked ham is my favorite, man. <laughs> there we go. I enjoy cold cuts, man. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy them, man. Honey baked ham is my favorite. Oh, there you go, honey baked ham. Usually, that's a that's a holiday that's a holiday one, but uh, that's that's a oh, yeah. that's a solid one. <laughs> that's a solid one. Well, we're gonna get your prediction for this week and just some thoughts on that in just a second. But as we've been saying, Mister Woods, we want to uh, hear about and share the great foundation that you are spearheading in honor of your son. So if you wouldn't mind, we're going to pull up. I know you're on the phone here, but we're going to pull up for our video watchers slash listeners. We're going to pull up the website. And like I said, we're going to really rally to, to get some donations here on behalf of that to submit to the Javante Woods Foundation. But tell us a little bit about it and the impacts that your great foundation is making in the community. 
was uh, it's called the Javante Woods Foundation, and it's in honor of my son. I lost him 10 years ago to asthma, and so we started a foundation to uh, raise money for asthma research and asthma education. Because what I didn't know is when I started the foundation, there was nothing really out there for asthma. And so we took that on to start and try to raise money to educate people on how serious and severe asthma really is. Because before that, I didn't know asthma could kill till it took my baby from me. Yeah. And then come to find out asthma is the fastest growing disease in America. Because it's the least amount of money if not to find a cure, find a better way to treat it. And since 1980, asthma has risen 80% in the kids from the age being born to the age 19. And then 11, uh, 11 people a day die from asthma, man. That, was, that yeah. was unbelievable when I found that out. So, so we started the foundation to hopefully raise money, not only to, you know, hopefully find a cure, but to educate too. Because I think the biggest thing about uh, asthma is the lack of education because most people don't know that asthma can kill. Like I said, I didn't know until it took my baby from me. So, and uh, and, and it's very prevalent in the African-American uh, community as well. So we just want to get out and educate people on how serious and severe it really is. Well, it's it's heartbreaking to know what what you and your family have had to endure losing your son. Um, if there is, you know, a, a light in that at the end of that tunnel, though, you're doing some great, great community work in his honor and, and in the honor of your family. And we respect the yeah. heck out of that. And we're going to we're going to do what we can to keep supporting the Javante Woods Foundation. We do have a, an article up on CincyJungle.com highlighting all the great charities from past Bengals and current Bengals providing links and all kinds of different things for folks to get involved. Now, do you have any, I know, I know, you know, we've still got some COVID things to, to traverse here. Are, are you doing any events, fundraising events or anything like yeah, that? We're, that... we're, we're, we're going to try to, we're going to try to do our golf outing in May. Okay. But right now with the, with the new variant spiking up real tough, it's hard to do anything with the social gathering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, Okay, understandable, but we'll we'll definitely keep promoting that and awareness for the Javante Woods Foundation. Uh, Mr. Woods, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Sorry, I I was hounding you a little bit, but I, <laughs> I oh, that's okay, I, brother. It's okay. Uh, we did, did good job. We got it in. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, and I know it's a little late on your end. Quickly, if you wouldn't mind, do you have a prediction for this weekend as the Bengals go to Nashville uh, yeah, to take on the Titans? 28-24 Bengals. There you go. I love it. I love it. That's that's. Hey, you were the good luck charm last week. You're the good luck charm this week. I'm calling it again. All right. Thank you, my man. I definitely appreciate that. All right. Thanks, Icky. Appreciate it. Have a good All one. Right. You guys have a good one. Thanks, All right. Brother. Thank you, Icky. Bye -bye. What a guy. Uh yeah. I mean, it's like what for for us. It's just like you know, Bengals fan dream here over the past handful of days talking with him. I I feel a little bad. I was kind of hounding him a little bit, John, but uh, we got him on here, and I I I gotta I gotta please 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 ask our listeners again. This is not if we get super chats or whatever tonight, or really maybe we'll just do it for the the entire week or something. Um, if we get super chats from you, this is not stuff that's going to go to John and I. This is going to go directly to that charity as we did at the end of summer, all of that money that you all were very gracious enough to give 
for Anthony Munoz, for the Munoz Foundation, the Ken Anderson Alliance, and the Ken Riley Foundation. All of that went directly to those charities, and we want to make an impact, a sizable impact for the Javante Woods Foundation. We want to keep doing that. So thank you to Mr. Woods. Man, this is uh, that, that was pretty awesome, man. He's, he's pretty confident in those Bengals. Yeah, I you know, I think there's a reason why they brought him out in the first place. I when, when they announced it, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm pretty sure he scored in that last playoff win, and sure enough, he did, and it was in that exact uniform combination too, with the black jersey, white pants, and the orange socks. That every everything is not that much of a coincidence, you know, when you think about it. But shout out to Mr. Whisperer, uh, John from Kentucky, vape guy, and socks for your super chat donations again. As Anthony said, that will go to the Javante Williams Foundation. Uh, I myself, I take Mont- Montelicast every single night to treat my asthma. So that oh. foundation means a lot for me as yeah. well. And j- yeah, everything that Icky said, I echo- echoed it 100%. Yeah. So if you want to just leave a little something, if you want to go, like I said, 30 bucks, 31 bucks, whatever for his jersey number and the Bengals breaking the curse, kind of an interesting answer to that. And I loved the cold cuts question, John. I loved the I always cold wanted to ask. Question. Yeah, I love the cold cuts question. Um, wow, I, I'm kind of at a loss a little bit as to where to go from here. We're going to preview the we got more football, man. I know we've got more, fo- hey, we got more football, we're, and we're not doing a mock draft machine, we're not doing draft profiles, we're not doing free agency profiles. We are talking about the divisional round of the playoffs. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Before we preview the Titans and some of the X's and O's and different things that we will be looking for this week, I want to remind folks that you can get this show as well as a number of other Cincy Jungle shows in a variety of different ways. And what those are, well, you you gotta you gotta be a, a subscriber to a number of different avenues. And here we've got a little graphic for you here. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Click that and uh, the little the little icon down there. Click that and then be notified when we go live, when new content is available. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We are on Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on all of the platforms, iHeartRadio as well. All of those are where this show and, of course, the other shows on the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel are available Please, please, please subscribe and, and support not only if, if you want to support our show, cool, but support the great work that also Coach Matt Minnick is doing in Coach Speak and Chalk Talk through the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel, as well as Orange is the New Black. My God, John, Zim has been unbelievable with the Twitter spaces. Uh, what was the one? I don't know if you saw the, the one the other day was 
four hours, five hours mm-hmm. he was rocking that thing. Um, so if you're on Twitter, you got you gotta go to to Zim's Twitter spaces. They are just hilarious. But at any rate, thank you all for the support to our show and the rest on the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel. You can get the show on your favorite streamer. My goodness, John, I don't even know. We started off on an emotional recollection kind of level, and then we talked with Icky Woods, and I just, I'm kind of at a loss a little bit as to where to start, but uh, I guess before we get to the Tennessee Titans, we've got a stat of the week that we and you would like to get to, so we will do that. That was a cool little riff there. So, stat of the week this week is about Uno himself, Jamar Chase, and a lot of the Bengals' offense. It ran through Jamar Chase, but as we saw, a lot of the passing concepts were were pretty similar, and they were designed to beat some of those zone coverages that the Raiders deployed. It was a lot of curls, a lot of hitches, a lot of slants, and a lot of Joe Burrow's production came over the middle of the field, which is where the weak's points in the in that defense was. But unlike that first Raiders game, you saw Jamar Chase specifically beat man coverage on the outside. And it was interesting that a lot of Chase's production came outside of the numbers. And he actually ended up monopolizing a lot of Joe Burrow's passing yardages outside of the numbers and outside of the hashes. Specifically, 74 out of Joe Burrow's 115 yards outside of the middle of the field came through Jamar Chase. I believe that was at least six or seven catches. And I think he had at least one or two catches in every single quarter as well. And in the start of the first quarter, he started with a drop on the first drive and then came back with three other catches. And then at the start of the fourth quarter, he had a drop and then came back with two humongous uh, first down conversions in the early fourth quarter that I believe led to another score. So Anthony, just like Jamar Chase in his first playoff game, like I, I know it's not a surprise anymore because of what he did as a rookie, but just to see that guy in this moment continue to just shine, especially against a defense that kind of held him and kept him in check the first time. It it was just a a marvel to see him at work. It was awesome. I mean, for lack of better words, it was just awesome. And there were a couple of, uh, I think there was an early drop. If I remember correctly, I think there were a couple, uh, there were a couple in the game where there was a little bit of some bobbles and stuff, but he still came down with them. He still made the big plays. He still had the incredible footwork on the sideline and just continues to, to really be a catalyst for this team. And the rapport that we, we said when the Bengals drafted Joe Burrow and then subsequently drafted Jamar chase, we were talking about that rapport that, that, that they had together we kind of felt like maybe it was going to be overblown because Chase didn't play football last year. They didn't play together the year prior and all of that. It's like it never stopped. I mean, it, it, it's, and we, we feel that we kind of felt at the time that the rapport was, was overblown, like I said, and it just every week, especially as Joe Burrow gets more comfortable and more confident and every week that Jamar Chase gets more comfortable and more confident. There's just more and more plays. And I was a little disappointed in T Higgins's performance. Um, one catch on four targets. Some of those were contested catch opportunities and whatnot. Um, but this is, this is the reason why you have that three headed Hydra 
of at wide receiver because one guy caught the touchdown, Tyler Boyd. The other guy had a quiet day in T Higgins and the other guy did all the yardage work in Jamar Chase. So, you know, when one guy has a quiet day, the other guys are stepping up and doing different things. And oh, by the way, they didn't really need T Higgins because CJ Uzama stepped up nicely in this game too. So look, I mean, he just continues to, this has been a year of breaking streaks breaking records, breaking franchise records and all of that. And yet again, he has another record, a rookie record in the postseason, just chase. And it's, he just continues to be incredibly impressive. And what's scary, John, 21 years old, rookie year. I mean, when does the ascension stop? I mean, he's just, you know what I mean? I mean, where's the ceiling? I don't, I don't think it exists. Yeah, and I, I get what you mean with, with, with Higgins as well. And I think it was it was great to see the offense go through Chase. But I think personally, it was really cool to see both touchdowns come from the longest tenured offensive weapons on the team, and Tyler Boyd and CG Uzama, and just like the impressiveness of it, specifically that Boyd touchdown. Like we're forty minutes into the show, we haven't even talked about like the most impressive throw in Bengals playoff yeah. history from Joe Burrow. But like this is this is why this team can do something in in these playoffs and then the playoffs to come because they have a dominant passing offense and just to real quickly just touch on the defense in years past with in playoff games like there were times when Bengals defenses couldn't really make those key plays at the end of games or just they would get blown over by whether it be like the Chargers or the Colts or whatnot like there have been times when Mike Zimmer led defenses they they underperformed with with their talent. This game specifically, they had some rough moments against mm-hmm. some some passing concepts with Derek Carr, and I think Josh Jacobs played pretty well. But they stepped up when they absolutely absolutely needed to, and they made a lot of plays on the ball late in the game. Jesse Bates had by far his best game of the entire season, saved it for the final home game of the season in a contract year. And Jermaine Pratt, man, it wasn't just the interception at the end of the game. He made a, a handful of plays in coverage leading up to that play in the fourth quarter. He had one of his best games of all time. Uh, the defensive line, Trey Hendrickson with the strip sack and Larry Gunjobi and being in the right position to pick it up and gaining some yards after that. BJ Hill with a clutch sack in the fourth quarter that that uh, prolonged that final drive for the Raiders and, and moved them back a little bit. Sam Hubbard playing like 95% of the snaps because of all the injuries and still getting consistent pressure and still just doing everything that he possibly could. And then Chidabay Wuzier, Mike Hilton making plays on the ball. Mike Hilton had a phenomenal game in coverage. It was just, it wasn't a perfect performance from the defense, but that's the defense that that you can hope for going forward because when you make opportunistic opportunities and plays in coverage and those plays to end drives like that, that's really all you need when you have that offense on the other side of the ball. Yeah, interesting comment from our buddy Jason Von Stein here. Crazy Chase looks so bad during the preseason. He really found himself out there. He really, I mean... I don't know if he just was taken preseason not so seriously. I don't think, I mean, I think, I think this is why for anybody who does it, we cannot freak out about preseason stuff, preseason performance. The only thing you should be freaking out about in preseason is injuries. That's the only thing you should be freaking out about. If you feel like you're well-established at your most important positions, that's really what you got to be freaking out about. I'm just going to add a quick, Real basic stat of the week. I talked about it a second ago, and it's a shameless pat on the back by me. A tweet here, but uh, I just kind of wrote from week 14 to the wild card. Of course, he didn't play in the final week. Um, 13, pa- 13 touchdown passes, zero turnovers, John. Zero turnovers, and the Bengals are 4-1. and one. Um, 
the, the only loss being against the San Francisco 49ers in overtime. So since that Chargers ugly, ugly game where they were turning the ball over all over the place, Joe Burrow has not turned the ball over. And the turnovers that occurred in the San Francisco game were from Darius Phillips in, in the punt return game. So he not only has been playing out of his mind in terms of throwing for a ton of yards and a ton, ton of touchdowns, he's just taking incredible care of the football. And that's why I said earlier, he's just kind of processing the field on a level that I don't know. I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy. Not, 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 oh, wow. Not only has he not turned the ball over, he's barely put the ball in harm's way. Like he mm-hmm. only had one turnover worthy throw against the 49ers. And he had five big time throws in that game. He's had zero bad turnover worthy throws ever since then that includes the Broncos game when that secondary kind of bottled up the receivers like obviously you know the Ravens defense was atrocious and the Chiefs kind of got blown apart and in this Raiders game it was just you can take what the defense gives you when you're able to read your through your progressions at lightning quick speeds and whenever there was pressure from Max Crosby and company you saw that efficient pocket movement to the ability to get outside and then to find your guys down the field and not really force anything because you know where guys are going to be. You know where the vacant spots are going to open up in these coverages. And that is all about preparation. It's all about combining just his insane accuracy with his cerebral fortitude and just reading defenses in the pre-snap and post-snap phase. So it's not like it's not like he's, he's on this incredible pace and he's getting away with lucky stuff. No, this is just legitimately yeah. efficient football that is sustainable. The two tight window throws to C.J. Uzama in this last game. The one in the end zone, that was, you know, I mean, that was just a tiny, tiny little area that he could fit that ball in. And the one down the seam, unbelievable throw and great concentration from Uzama. I mean, he was he was covered relatively well in terms of where that ball trajectory was, but uh, that seam throw was next level. I mean, that was just wow. It was Drew Brees-esque, which is only yeah. fitting that Drew Brees is calling the game and Drew yep. Brees being Joe Burrow's idol. And you can see a lot of Brees' game in in, uh, in Burrow's and with his just pinpoint accuracy. And, and that throw is only there because like Burrow knows exactly when to throw it and where Uzama's going to be on the field. And it, it's just this insane chemistry that he's formed with these guys. And he's only played, I think, now 28 career games with all of them. So it's crazy. Uh, I want to get to this real quick, but, um, and, and thank you, William Perry for the nice super chat. That's going to go to the Javante Woods foundation saying, here's to a Bengal legend and to help. This is so wild to see. So glad for all the young fans that never saw an AFC championship yet. Won't be long now, guys, just hang on. And William, thank you. Not only for that, we see you in here hanging out with us on the live the chat fridge. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's the fridge. Um, but, uh, we appreciate your support and I know that, uh, Icky appreciates that support there too. Appreciate that. And we'll be taking, there are some others we want to get to as well. Before I, I did show Michaela's as well saying, thank you for the podcast. Uh, love, love to listen to every episode. Appreciate that. You mentioned Drew Brees. Oddly enough, some people know that my day job, I, I do some, I do real estate stuff. And there was a big conference in San Diego wherein Drew Brees was the keynote speaker at that conference. I believe it was last October, last November. Uh, I did not go. My parents attended, who are also real estate brokers. And they were, it's funny, Drew Brees was actually, they asked him, of course, about football and who he sees winning. He said at the time that he really likes the Bengals. He really liked Joe Burrow. And he didn't know that this year would be the year for him. But he said that he, he foresaw them going, uh, you know, in the next handful of years, being a really forceful team. And, 
you know, like you said, lo and behold, he's the guy that's calling the game, calling the big win on, on Saturday. Really cool. Uh, cool, a good super chat here from vape vape guy talking about our guys from inside the jungle. Um, and, and vape guys, John from Kentucky, he is a big supporter of that show and our show. Good to hear from you, John. And thank you for that donation. That's going to go to the Javante woods foundation. And then of course, we've got a couple others we will get to as well that pertain to previewing the Titans game. So let's get to that. We've had a jam packed show and it's been a hell of a fun one. Um, Man, I, I guess we kind of say, well, where where do where do we start? Well, I think we should probably start at the injury report and what's going on with the Bengals because there were some big injuries in this game that were very concerning against the Raiders. Some bad news has come of it. Some good news has come of it, as well as some acquisitions. So I think we should probably catch some of the folks up on that, right, John? Yeah. So. This week was all about who is going to play at defensive line, who is going to be out there, who's going to be out. We got news early in the week that Mike Daniels is not going to be available, I guess, for the uh, at least very least for this week. And Larry Njobi is not going to be available for the remainder of the playoffs. He is on injured reserve. So that left Trey Hendrickson, who suffered a concussion against the Raiders. Josh Tupau, who suffered an MCL injury against the Cleveland Browns in week 18. Their statuses were up in the air this week. And we've had two practices so far. Great news for Trey Hendrickson, who was limited on Tuesday going through the concussion protocol. He was at least in, I guess, phase three of the five uh, stage protocol process. He would practice full on Wednesday. So that means he's fully cleared for everything. And, he, and there's a 99.9% chance he's going to play on Saturday. Tupau, it was still limited with that knee injury. And he was originally listed as week to week. So it's still up in the air as to whether or not he's going to play. And the Bengals took action with that and signed two defensive tackles, uh, one to the practice squad, Doug Costin, who is a young guy out of, I believe, the University of Miami up the road here, um, just north of Cincinnati. And they added Zach Kerr off of the Arizona Cardinals practice squad, and they signed him to the active roster. In order to do that, they waived 2020 for agent acquisition Xavier Suofilo a day mm-hmm. after they activated Suofilo off of IR. So now they have bodies that they can go to behind both BJ Hill and DJ Reader, who are your projected starters at defensive tackle. And Anthony, honestly, it, it's just about depth at this point. I think the Bengals can be comfortable with BJ Hill starting in place of Larry Ogunjobi because honestly, like Hill's been a little bit more productive and consistent in some spots compared to Ogunjobi. And I think He's been the more consistent run defender. And against the Titans specifically, if you have Hill and Reader out there for the majority of your snaps, you f- you're feeling pretty confident about going up against a Derrick Henry potentially-led running game. It's just a matter of who are going to be the guys that are backing up those two at defensive tackle. So here is the injury report, and we'll talk just a tiny bit more about that new acquisition, um, Zach Kerr, in just a second here. You see Hendrickson here, limited Tuesday, full practice. Wednesday, as you mentioned, uh, limited for Stanley Morgan. Limited both days for Josh Tupo. Full practice for backup defensive back Jalen Davis. Full practice for Mike Hilton, who was having an ankle injury, left the game last week. And Sam Hubbard, full practice. Sam gutted it out last week. Man. Mm-hmm. He, he just, wow, warrior last week. And then you see uh, Interesting stuff here. First of all, Naquan Jones, a valuable interior defensive lineman for Tennessee. He was full practice both days. Um, Buster Screen, full practice. Look at look at the one who came up on Wednesday. 
full practice Tuesday, and then an ankle issue forced him to not practice Wednesday. That is Janoris Jenkins starting cornerback. So that's an interesting one for the Titans. Yeah, I think Ian Rappaport tweeted out like a bunch of injury updates, including Trey Hendrickson practicing full and uh, Jack Rabbit Jenkins uh, not practicing Wednesday with an ankle injury. And then soon after that tweet, he said that it appears Jenkins is going to be fine. So that is interesting to pop up randomly and not practice mm-hmm. at all with an ankle injury. But then apparently going he's going to be okay to play in, in three days time. So I don't know if this was precautionary reasons for Tennessee yeah. or if there's something that they thought was was not minor, but ends up being minor. But whatever the case may be, you're probably not going to see Jenkins at 100%. And that's interesting because Jenkins, I believe, uh, missed a few games down the stretch uh, for the Titans season. And they had former Cleveland Brown veteran Buster Screen play for Jenkins at cornerback. And he's listed on the injury report as well, I believe, with like a hamstring injury. And there's and there's Zach Kerr for everyone watching on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, longtime veteran in this league. He was an undrafted guy who came in uh, via like Delaware by the Indianapolis Colts. Bounced around to a few places, but ended up with uh, the 49ers and the Cardinals this season. And, you know, pretty good for Curry. You know, he witnessed, uh, I I guess, on the bench that shellacking that the Rams gave the Cardinals a few days ago. And now he's back in the playoffs with the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. And, you know, for for a guy who's, uh, you know, been a rotational guy, bounced around a lot of different teams, not terrible statistics. And the Bengals could do a lot worse in terms of street free agent at this point to help them out on a rotational basis. It would seem you see here played 95 career games, 16 starts, 166 tackles, nine and a half sacks, two forced fumbles. So as a reserve guy, those aren't terrible numbers, in my opinion, John. Yeah, and he's, I, I believe, still around like the 330 pound range. Yeah, this guy's a nose dude. tackle. He's, all, he's always dude. been a nose tackle. And to me, that means that th- this is more of an insurance signing in case Tupau can't uh, play and back up DJ Reader, which mm-hmm. is unfortunate for Tyler Shelvin, who again he just doesn't look like he's going to be much of a factor this postseason. But this would be an opportunity for him to play. But if that's not the case, and it's going to be either Kerr or Tupau as your main backup to DJ Reader, and then it's the question of d- does Doug Costin uh, get elevated off the practice squad to back up BJ Hill because they don't really have a true backup at that three technique spot. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Big Head Steve. Um, no no comment there, but a generous donation nonetheless through the um, Super Chats on YouTube. So appreciate that. We'll be getting that to the Javante Woods Foundation. Appreciate that. We're going to be here just a little while longer. So please, 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 if you're able to get your uh, donation in, we will we will accept that and we'll be taking those and submitting a hopefully impactful and large donation to the Javante Woods Foundation just to say thanks to Icky for being ruler of the jungle. Thanks to him being the good luck charm and thanks for spearheading a really cool charity in honor of his son. That's a sad situation that they're trying to turn into a positive. So that's, that's pretty cool. So thank you, big head Steve for your donation there, John. Okay. So there's a lot of different things we're, where we could go here. Um, where do you want to go with the the uh, how the Bengals can withstand the defensive line injury? Since we were talking about some of these guys, do you want to talk about the pass defense with some of the injuries in the secondary and issues in the Titans secondary? Where do you where do you want to start here? Well, I was doing some research with this and just looking at the Titans defense in general. I, I feel like I, I don't know what, what your thoughts on this, but I feel like no matter who is that running back for the most part for the Titans? Like the Bengals defense right now, it can't really stop the run. They're like 26th 
entering last week and like um, success rate allowed against the run. Josh Jacobs did a number on them in some of those mm-hmm. some of those situations. The Titans, regardless of Derrick Henry's availability, have been able to run the ball pretty well, and that's the, the base of their offense. So I feel like the Titans are going to get theirs when they run the ball, and they're going to end up putting up some points at home. I feel like it, it's up to the Bengals' offense to really just put it to the Titans' defense and to really showcase all of their receivers and explosion and whatnot. And I was looking at some of the numbers from a season long total. Both of the Bengals and Titans defense are nearly identical in like the most meaningful metrics. It's just that after their respective bye weeks, the Bengals had a bye week in week 10, Titans had a bye week in week 13. The Bengals got a little bit worse because they couldn't really stop the run in that stretch. And the Titans have gotten significantly better defending the pass. And I'm like, this that's crazy because they yeah, they have really good safeties in Bayard and, and Amani Hooker, but their cornerbacks are basically league average guys, you know, Christian Fulton and Jack Rabbit Jenkins. Like they're not necessarily shut down guys. And then I saw the quarterbacks that the Titans have faced in recent weeks. Trevor Lawrence, Ben Roethlisberger, Jimmy Garoppolo, Tua Tungavailoa, Davis Mills. Davis Mills. Yeah. And apparently Davis Mills is the best one of all five of them because he had 300 <laughs> yards and almost beat them in a game that the Titans needed to have to get the one seed. So, I don't know what to make of this Titans defense right now. I, I Obviously, they're talented and they're playing well as a unit, but I don't know if they're being propped up by just playing really bad competition. But I just look at, at that personnel and I'm thinking, this is why you have three elite receivers in Joe Burrow. Like You need to be able to put up points against this defense. You're going to need to put up points. And I think you know there's a mindset of if you're if you're on the Tennessee side of the fence, not only do you want to run the ball and impose your will, especially on your home stadium, and that's the strength of your football team, obviously, is running the football. You want to do that. But that the old adage of you do that and you you take you keep the exciting players on the opposite team's offense off the field. That's that's kind of what they're probably going to try and achieve. And that's the mindset, I would assume, or part of the mindset this week, I would assume for the Titans, uh, Titans fan, we've got an interview with uh, Davey Hudson tomorrow. So who, who's the host of the Believe in Titans podcast, along with uh, Denard Walker, former Titan, who was actually on on this show a little while back, I think last year when the Bengals mm-hmm. faced the Titans, he was on our show. And then I think he also chatted with you guys on DNH, right? Um, so really, really cool to be talking with him. And we're going to find out more about that. But my point is, and this was kind of a, a topic that Colin Cowherd said today. And it was like, yeah, he's voicing the things that I'm thinking about. He was talking with Jeff Schwartz on his show on Wednesday. And they were talking about how, you know, the Bengals offense just, it's not just a, you know, a, it, it can be, it can be methodical and long sustained drives and, and, you know, punch it in the end zone or kick a, kick a good field goal and kind of continue to build on your lead or hang in the game. But it's also, they could score in really any amount of plays on a drive. It can be one play. It could be three plays. It could be seven plays. It could be 10 plays. We've seen it all this year. So I don't know while I think it makes sense that the Titans want to run the ball and use that keep Burrow off the field mentality. I don't know that that's going to be, you know, a, a cure-all for ev- for absolutely everything in terms of avoiding the Bengals' offense scoring this year. I will say this. This is why, though, if the Bengals are going to be off the field for a little while or for most of the game or a, a good chunk of the game and the Titans are going to try and control the clock, this is why that stat I pointed out earlier of Joe Burrow not turning the football over reigns kind of supreme because drives will pro- could be at a premium, and you know you you 
don't want to be turnover prone or have some of these issues that have not plagued you over the past month and a half start popping up in the divisional round of the playoffs. So that's kind of some of my first impressions in terms of the Tennessee run game and and their approach there. Yeah. And if there's one thing the Titans do well, though, it's, it is forced turnovers. Like both of their safeties are are ball Hawks, like Bayard, I I think at this point is just a more consistent version of Jesse Bates. And I mean that in the most, in the most complimentary fashion because Bates hasn't been that good this year. And Imani hooker, honestly, like he's a third year guy out of Iowa and he's, he's done a lot in, just the way that they use those safeties is, is interesting. Uh, uh, Bengal Sands, who got his account back, by the way, I think like <laughs> 10 minutes ago on Twitter, he, he posted a graphic about just the different coverage schemes that the Titans use, and they are very, very balanced. This is not necessarily a, a Raiders defense where they like to go into this cover three looks predominantly. The the, the Titans, they, they're below average in terms of cover three usage, but they're above average in cover four, and they like to go in those split safety shells. And I was looking at some of the defenses that the Titans faced earlier, and they did not do well against Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, even Mac Jones had had his way against them. But they really shut out Patrick Mahomes when the Chiefs were really fighting yeah. themselves. So maybe you can just excuse that. But the one game that stood out to me was against the Rams when they went to Los Angeles the week after that Derrick Henry was placed on IR and they just took it to Sean McVay and Matt Stafford. And I watched that game and it was like over after the first 16 times that Stafford dropped back to pass and Stafford just looked completely lost. The The route concepts that the, that the, the Rams were running just had no spacing involved at all. And you saw a, a healthy balance of single high looks and split safety looks. And, and Bayard was honestly the guy who was dropping down from the split safety looks to be more in the box and, and to match some of these coverages in man coverage and have Hooker be the single high guy. And and Bayard really fooled Stafford on multiple occasions by dropping down. He ended up getting like a pick six in that game. And that's something that Joe Burrow has to be cognizant of. And that's something where you can say that the Bengals have an advantage where they're not going to be fooled by some of those disguised coverages in the, in the post that phase. So this is definitely a very balanced Titans defense from the secondary, but I mean, it, it's it's going to be a story until the Bengals offensive line improves. Like how much can the Titans do in terms of rushing the passer? How much can that slow down the Bengals offense? Because while they don't have necessarily a dominant, a truly dominant guy, like the closest thing that they have to that is Jeffrey Simmons. And mm-hmm. he is a, he is a stud. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that he's not good. Like Great he, player, he's, yeah. he's ascending into that, like Chris Jones, typed here just those tall explosive defensive tackles and he can wreck a game sure like but i feel like the titans defense in general is built a lot like the Bengals defense where they have a lot of solid players they don't really have a a glaring weakness to exploit and just they have a really solid defensive line and all four of those guys can get after it and they use a lot of stunts a lot of twists to generate pressure they don't really blitz uh like six or more guys very often so it really is up to like that right side of the offensive line and Isaiah Prince and Akima Denigy. Can they just solidify their communication with passing off guys and, and remaining consistent in their pass sets? Because they got Harold Landry and Nico Autry that mainly come off of that side and they love to use the late stunts. And that's like the only, that's the main weapon that the Titans have to slow down the Bengals passing offense. And if the Bengals passing offense gets slowed down, then you have a formula for success for the Titans to get control of the game. Mr. Whisper uh, sent a, and I wasn't ignoring you, Mr. Whisper. I was actually saving this one for our chat here a little bit, not only in terms of talking about what happened last week, but how that 
translates to this week. And I think that this is a good segue here asking about, you know, how was the offensive line in your opinions, namely price? My, my thought with it, John is, you know, when you look at it from kind of a, a holistic perspective, um, you know, two sacks and Max Crosby, Yannick and Gawkway, nice game from Jonah Williams. Um, you know, uh, holistically, you would say, you know, the offensive line did what they should do or they did enough. Right. But you look at the issues in the run game. You look, you do look at Max Crosby getting a sack. I think that was on a, a situation where he, he came back inside, but yeah. um, you know, I, 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 it was enough last week in terms of Prince um, you know, again, just, there's some struggles there. There's some inconsistencies and issues on that right side of the line. And I, so I don't know, you're talking about Simmons and others on the, on the Titans defensive line. What do you think about the offensive line this week? Namely that questionable right side line, especially now Suofilo has gone, right? So. Yeah. I mean, Suofilo wasn't saving them necessarily. Like, no, he hasn't played in four months and they weren't going to throw him out there now, but that's just a question of, of depth. And like Jackson Carmen has solidified right. himself for sure as the first guard off the bench. And, yeah, Isaiah Prince didn't necessarily give up a sack, but he also had his rough moments against Max Crosby, which they should have accounted for. They should have expected. Max Crosby is going to make a lot of guys look foolish, but Crosby did kind of get frustrated a little bit there. I think he said some choice words to fans after maybe like a an offside or something like that, or maybe whatever the case was. Crosby got home once, but um, Prince did enough to keep him at bay despite losing pretty clearly. A few times, and that was a lot attributed to just Burrow getting the ball out pretty quickly and just his general savviness in the pocket. And I wonder, like, how much of that is going to be a part of like the the base of the Bengals game plan? Are they going to continue to go out of empty and get the ball out quickly to try to sustain some of these drives, or do we see more um, hole shots like we saw against the Chiefs? Because the Chiefs again are a too high defense and that's a lot of what the Titans like to do. They like to do a lot more than the Raiders. So you're going to have more of those opportunities to get some vertical routes down the sideline and and obviously up the seams. We saw that work a few times against the Raiders. It's the question of how much they try to be explosive against this secondary because of the coverages that they run, but they can only do that if the offensive line does give them enough time. And I think in comparing this defensive line to the Raiders, yeah, Max and Yannick are really dominant off the edge. But again, there's not a general weakness on this Titans defensive line, and, and they all work really well together. And I, I'm not 100% confident that Prince and, and Adenogy are going to hold up the entire game. I think you're going to have you know multiple sacks, and maybe one of them it, it could potentially kill a drive for the Bengals. And that's just something that they have to account for. Yeah, it just can't be of the sack fumble variety. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, if that, I and you know, it, it's, it kind of stinks that we're talking about kind of having to, to roll with those punches in terms of sacks and quarterback hits, et cetera. But that's just how this year has been. Burrow's been sacked a lot, either by his own ad-libbing back there or issues along the offensive line. You just got to kind of roll with it this year and hope that the good plays outweigh those few bad ones by the offensive line and that they don't kill drives, they don't turn into turnovers, etc. So uh, we're going to be here another couple minutes. So please, if you would be so inclined, get those super chats in there on uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, if you want to submit another donation through a, a different way, uh, hit us up at the OB insider at gmail.com or on John or I's Twitter. 
um, either direct message or, or, you know, a notification and we'll find a way for you to be able to, to donate to the Javante Woods Foundation a different way if you're not watching through YouTube, but uh, we appreciate the support of our show. And of course that great charity, John, let's start kind of wrapping it up. We're going, we're going long. Um, you know, we talked about Derek Henry a little bit last week. We kind of said, wow, this may be a good, in, in some ways, this may be a good way to get Joe Mixon going. This may be a good week going back to what he did against Las Vegas, the weather, being at home, all that kind of stuff. This could be a good mix and week. It turned out to be a, a pretty bad mix and week, not so much because of him, but there was just, I, I think the Raiders were keen on him a bit and the offensive line just in the run game was not getting what they needed to get out of it. I have the opposite mindset going into this one as, <laughs> as I did last week. I just kind of feel like this is, this is Burrow, Burrow and the receivers and, and Uzama. Uh, and, and you kind of got to live in, hopefully not die by, by that game plan. And if Mixon gets you some extra yards, get you some touchdowns, whatever, that's kind of an added bonus. But I think, I think especially as we look at how the Bengals have been winning games these past, this past month and a half, um, you know, you got to kind of continue to ride your quarterback's hot hand and the running game is going to take back seat. Pretty much. And I, I think there was a lot of complaints um, specifically with the end of the Raiders game that the, maybe they gave the ball to Mixon like one too many times. But even in that game, like Mixon only had seven second half carries and like half of them were successful. So if there was any hints of conservatism and against the Raiders, it was because the Bengals had a lead. And I think you can expect that to happen again if, if the same happens in this game. If the Bengals are up by 10 points in the fourth quarter, it's not like they're going to continue to just ignore the running game, even though that the, the run defense of the Titans is the, is their bread and butter. They're really good against the run, and that's has, has nothing to do with the, the opponents that they face. They're just really solid in that area. But you're going to see Burrow come out slinging just like he did against the Raiders, and hopefully this time for them, they, they find the end zone more often. Like The Titans have a pretty decent red zone defense, and like we said, they're pretty opportunistic. They're good at, at scheming up uh, disguised coverages, and it's really up to Burrow to just to key in on that preparation like that that's that's one of the strengths not the only strength but it's one of the strengths of his game to be able to see things as they happen and to make those good decisions on the fly and if he does that then you know that, that's taking away an advantage for the titans defense and maybe you can finish some of those red zone drives well let's get to keys and predictions um we've kind of talked about some of the positional groups and and offensive defensive game plan approaches what what are kind of some of the the key matchups and do I I don't know what I think I know what you're going to do with your prediction based on how some of <laughs> some what do you mean about that well I, well we'll see we'll see what just some key key players key matchups in your prediction in this game yeah I want to see T Higgins do a little bit better yeah. uh, in the second career playoff game I think that's going to be important. I think you're going to have Christian Fulton match up with his former collegiate teammate in Jamar Chase. There'll be a nice LSU reunion, but those guys are both really physical and you might have T Higgins on an injured uh, Janoris Jenkins or maybe even Buster Screen. I don't know if the Titans really uh, have their cornerbacks follow receivers, but I think T Higgins having a good game will do wonders to get more explosion out of the offense. And really uh, something we haven't talked about, like the Titans, they don't have slouches of receivers either. Like Julio Jones, he's at least he's at least playing, and that's presence that you have to account for. Mm. And uh, AJ Brown, a physical specimen of, of his own right. Like Chibay Wuzier has to play really well, 
and I don't know if he's going to follow either of those guys, but those are physical guys that really get your hands on on you. And how, how well that Ouzier matches up in main coverage, it can really limit uh, Ryan Tannehill's game and, and just his effectiveness throwing the ball. So another great Ouzier game would definitely limit the Titans offense. And if they have to go through Henry the entire day, then I think you know the Bengals pass enough and should be enough to get them over the hump. Uh, I, I would say a couple of key guys, um, Eli Apple got keeping an eye on him because of those receivers you mentioned. And, you know, he, he had a good back half of the season. I think he had a penalty or two last week. I know he had at least one um, last week against the Raiders and just, you know, um, a, a little bit of a struggle last week. So he's one guy I'm watching and BJ Hill, you know, increased role now with Larry Joby out. The Bengals had an amazing rotation going and it kept both guys pretty fresh it, it, it maximized their snap and their effectiveness of their snaps being Ogunjobi and hill now hill is kind of the guy and it seems like it seems like he came in all the time it was you know when Ogunjobi wasn't making a big play hill would come in and make the big play happened last week too so you know i'm interested really really interested to see what he does in an increased role that Ogunjobi is out of that line those are two guys i'm watching i am going with believe it or not, I'm going with the Bengals winning this game. Um, I, I, I really, I, I will say this now. I know you know we don't want to look ahead too far or whatever. I think that as I sit here today, maybe if they do win and by how much or whatever, I'll change my tune. I do think that this round is probably the cap uh, or the ceiling for this team getting past this round. And based on who they might play, just that's just a little bit of a gut feeling I have at this point. I don't want to limit this team i mean they've they've shut us up and proved us wrong a bunch of times already this year but um but i do think that this is this is i wouldn't say it's an easy game by any any stretch but i do think that they can potentially take it and you know it's going to take a lot it's going to take a clean game and it's going to take some big plays by that offense i'm going to say um i'm going to say 30 to 26 that's a lot of Randy Bullock field goals right there. Well, he's yeah, he's, his calves are in better shape now. So um, <laughs> he's, I, I'm assuming he's going to hit a few. That that would be so fitting, though, if this was just a back and forth battle between McPherson and the guy. Oh, my God. By him. Oh, 100%. God. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, like there we talked about in, in just the road to the playoffs like this is the path for the Bengals to get to the AFC championship game. This is the path of least resistance. And maybe people have taken that a little bit too far and have started to underrate the number one seed in the AFC. And there are definitely some warts with the Titans. Don't get me wrong, but they're here for a reason. They've been able to win ugly in a lot of games. Ryan Tannehill, he's not great, but he he gets the job done in, in certain spots. And this is the return of Derrick Henry. And a lot of, and a lot of talk with about the defensive line it's really going to be up to Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt. A lot of Henry's runs come on cutback lanes and just guys not getting there in time. And once you have Henry in the open field, there's not a lot of guys that can tackle him in those situations. There's probably more ways that the Titans can win this game than the Bengals for some factors. I definitely think the Bengals have a good chance to win, but I really want to see how the Bengals handle those, those twists and stunts from a very talented Titans defensive line. I don't think that Derrick Henry can win this game all by himself, but I think the 
Titans receivers are being a little bit underrated compared to the Bengals secondary. I think this game is going to be 100% close. The spread is three and a half. That's definitely accurate. The Titans have at least been here before. I, I, I think it's going to be really close. It's going to be in the 20s. I'm going to say 21 to 20 Tennessee. 21 to 20 Tennessee. John officially does not pick the Bengals just so we so we're all clear so we all know um I know there's a little bit of a I don't know no that's my honest analysis no I know I know I know and I I don't I I don't blame you for going that going that way uh the Bengals have had a couple of big wins again Tampil in recent year 2018 comes to mind when it was with the still with the Dolphins and the Bengals had that crazy crazy game where they came back in that exciting start of the season. And then of course, last year um, when Joe Burrow was still healthy, they, they took it to Ryan Tannehill. But like, to your point, when they get Derek Henry rolling and they get going, he is able to utilize play action. Um, they can, they can do some damage for sure. So it uh, should be a fun game regardless in a close game. I, I agree with you on that. Let's drop the mic and get out of here. We went long, but we had an amazing, amazing show. Basking in the afterglow of the Bengals wildcard win, talking with Icky Woods and his experience as ruler of the jungle. Go support the Javante Woods Foundation and John and I talking about Titans. What do you got for us as we get out of here, John? So a lot of great things happened Saturday night. It was a memorable night that the city of Cincinnati will never forget, but I don't think anything more important happened uh, I don't think anything more important that happened other than what happened outside of the stadium with one Jerry Mills, who is a diehard Bengals fan. He believe he lives in Dallas as an ER nurse. And he oh, noticed yeah. Yeah. Ed Fernandez, who is a lifelong Raiders fan, have some issues outside of the stadium and then unfortunately collapsed. And Jerry Mills, with his experience in the medical field, he knows CPR and he, he administers it to him. And fortunately, he saved his life. And uh, Fernandez, I believe, is still recovering in uh, the University of Cincinnati Medical Campus, and I believe he has heart surgery on Thursday. But Jerry Mills, Bengals fan, saves a Raiders fan's life right before the game. And just shout out to Mills and deserves all the credit in the world for the heroic act that he did. Yeah, it was awesome. And I didn't get all of the details. Was it a, was it a heart attack situation that that uh, or or just some kind of I, I heard he he had collapsed. Right. And then, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, speedy recovery, uh, and really, really cool story there and, uh, happy it worked out for the positive. Thanks for bringing that back to attention, John. That's, that was a a good story. I did see that late yesterday. Um, you know, I, I don't have a lot. I just, I guess on a little somber note, I feel pretty bad for a guy like Larry and Joe for that. His, Season ended prematurely, especially after a career year from him, seven quarterback sacks, and he's been a good addition to this Bengals defensive front. He's made a a big impact, and you know I was really, really bummed to see him not only get injured last week, but hear the news that his season is done, and it it looked that way kind of immediately when they got the card out for him. So, uh, you know, I, I feel pretty gutted for him. He's put some stuff out on on social media. I don't know that he's going to be back for the Cincinnati Bengals next year. He has played himself into a good contract, though, as a free agent next year. He deserves it. He comes back as a, a Bengal player selfishly. 
understand if he goes and um, maybe gets a more lucrative contract somewhere. But um, he was one guy that I just felt, you know, feel really good for the the alumni, the Bengals alumni, and the, the, that locker room. But that's a guy that unfortunately I feel kind of gutted for a little bit. Yeah, well, at least I want to say he probably has a better time here than the the other football team in, in the state of Ohio. So at least at least he had this experience. And if he doesn't come back, um, all the best wishes. But I believe. Mike Hilton did say, like, you know, I, I kind of want him back here, so they're going to have a, a decision to make in March. By the way, you said this earlier. Our, our buddy James, is it Rapian? I, I I thought it was Rapine. It's Rapine. I, it's Rapine. It, yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I, I, gosh, we had him on the show. I'm like, did I just butcher his name? I Oh, my gosh. I thought he had told me that it was Rapine. But uh, <laughs> was that, it looked like a fun time there Friday night. When when you all were there, uh, saw some familiar faces. So hope you guys had a great time. Looked like it, you did. Yeah, I mean, you know, locked locked on is locked on, whatever. But you know, a lot of people are asking us about OBI merch, so maybe we have to get on that. Okay, well, we'll have to we'll have to get something going there. I I am not a graphic designer or a shirt designer or anything like. So I um, want we'll to enlist some help, I think, on that front. But John. Thank you. This has been an amazing show. I'm glad you had an amazing time at the game, man. Sorry we went long, but uh, it's been a great show. When you win playoff games, man, there, there is no too long of a show. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, thanks, everybody. Go support the Javante Woods Foundation. Just one last rally cry. If you want to shoot us in the next, I don't know, 30 seconds, another <laughs> super chat in the YouTube to help support that, please do. Or contact John or myself via Twitter through Cincy Jungle, via email, theobinsider at gmail.com. You know, we'll probably do, like I said, we'll probably keep it rolling. We've got a couple of other episodes coming this week. We've got the uh, Titans preview with um, Davey Hudson of Believe in Titans. We've got an Orange is the New Black and OBI crossover roundtable listener Q&A. We're going to try and get Matt. We're going to drag Matt into that, kicking and screaming. (laughs) we got to get him in there. But we've got a roundtable scheduled uh for friday for folks so maybe we'll just keep this rolling to continue to support the javante woods foundation but get in touch with us if you want to support if you're not watching through youtube and you want to support a different way john thank you and we'll be we'll be talking this week my friend talk to you on friday all right all right